Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and what it means to be in relationship with spirit so that we can feel whole and complete. I wanna sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most aligned, purposeful and joy-filled life now. Happy holidays! Unless you're listening to this way after the fact, and in that case, happy post-holidays. I am certainly entering this season with so much joy and gratitude in my heart. So thank you so much for all of you for listening. We literally quadrupled our listener base this fourth quarter. So thank you for listening and thank you for sharing my content. Just a reminder that we will be streaming on Bold Brave TV, which you can find on Spotify and Roku this next season. We are working out the logistics on whether to keep posting the TV shows here or just stick with YouTube. If any of you are experts out there or have a strong opinion about this, please don't hesitate to share your best practice on this. I am open to your advice. These shows will mostly be live and we will be taking live questions on the air each week as well, which is super exciting because I can't wait to answer your questions in real time and share some instant magic with you on the show. Also, if you have a guest that you would love to hear on the show, I am currently opening up applications for this next season. Please click on the submission form in the show notes. If you have a suggestion for someone who might be an amazing guest, we are going to start recording the next season soon, and I am making my shortlist now. Also, for advertising sponsorships, we are also taking those submissions now, and availability is limited. You can reach out to media at madloveagency.com for more information. Now, on to the fun and juicy stuff. As the calendar year comes to a close, I thought it would be fun to share with you what I wish I knew before I started looking for a romantic partner. So number one, I would say understand your definition of a good relationship and where you were taught that definition. If you grew up in a household with a parent that was a violent alcoholic Believe me when I tell you that in your brain, you are so used to this behavior that if you meet a partner or a potential partner who is also a violent alcoholic, then it is very likely that you will bypass this character flaw and treat it as acceptable behavior because it's what you already know and what you're already used to. You might also subconsciously be saying, well, yes, so my parent was a violent alcoholic, but they loved me. And that's also one of the things you will end up taking into your relationship. And one of the behaviors that I wasn't even fully aware of when I picked my partner, my last partner, was his lack of emotional availability. I was so used to having an emotionally unavailable father and then a mother whose feelings I had to manage. And this is exactly what I ended up choosing in a partner. And it's only in really doing some evaluation and looking back that I can see that that was the case. Over the years, as I healed those wounds, I realized we could both do better. 
And he was wondering why I wasn't okay with the same behaviors and the same mode of operation. So I also had to own my part in allowing him to behave the way he was behaving because I had just allowed it. I actually chose it. And for him, one of the things that he did say was, well, my parents stayed together. Because for him, the example was we stay together even if we don't like each other anymore. So a home with two parents who so clearly resent each other but are staying together because of kids are likely actually doing more damage to those kids by staying together dysfunctionally than if they would just put effort into parting as amicably as possible and refocusing on how to solely show up as better parents to those children. Although I do admire marriages that stay together a long time, I actually admire them more if they are two people who still really love and cherish each other versus the ones who are miserable and barely tolerating each other. So it's okay to love someone in this lifetime and understand that there might be an expiration date on that relationship. We can love more than one person in this lifetime. We can learn a lesson from one partner to make us an even better partner to the next. We can choose love. There is this part of me that wanted so much to choose to just stay with my last partner. We'd had so many years behind us. And I thought, man, if he would just put in the effort to allow us to grow together, perhaps things would change. My friend Marla put it best. She said, if you don't intentionally grow together, you will certainly unintentionally grow apart. And for all my single people out there who are looking for love, I want to really encourage you to know what love actually looks like to you and what does it not look like? And in what ways do those partners that you choose look or act like your parents or the parent figures you had in your life growing up? And can you see what traits are healthy and what traits might be stemming up from your traumas or dysfunctions rather than from being examples of healthy love? Whatever we don't heal, it will show up in our relationships. So take the time to identify and heal those wounds so you're not starting your relationship off at a disadvantage. The second thing I wish I knew was how to be quick to forgive and that it's just as important to be quick to forgive as it is to say, I'm sorry. If you need to have your ego for the work that you do or to be the person you are when you're out making business deals or even in the public eye, then you do you. But with your partner, you need to lay down that ego completely and be able to go to that raw and vulnerable place where you can both get to, I'm sorry, and I forgive you as quickly as possible. So many relationships build up these micro resentments and those stack up and then they become monster-sized resentments. When we can break down the issue when it's only a micro-sized one, then it's still small and it doesn't have room to fester. That's when we allow a lot more room on the table to meet each other with love and compassion. And if you go back and listen to one of the earlier episodes I did with my friend Alex, we talk about lasting love. And one of the key takeaways we covered was this concept called clearing stacks. And I talk about it a lot because I believe in it so much and because I know it works. And it works not just in personal relationships, it works in business too. And the idea is that you sit down with your partner each week and review the prior week, bringing up anywhere or anything where there was an infraction or irritation, and you discuss it. 
and you both do your best to lay it to rest so that it doesn't stick around to become that thing you fight about six months later. Clear your stacks by being quick to apologize and quick to forgive. The third thing I wish I knew was to choose a man who wants to be a husband. I'm valuable and I know what kind of wife I want to be, but I don't want to be with a man for his potential. And it's the common mistake so many of us make. I want to be with a man who shows up already knowing how he plans on showing up and can demonstrate this from the get-go. I know who I am now, but it took me a lot of time and experience to get here. When I was younger, HBO is who prepared me for my relationships, not my parents, because no one talked about what it meant to be a wife or a husband. And by the way, I'm going to speak in heterosexual terms because that's my personal reference point. But I'm not trying to exclude anyone who might be looking for a same-sex partner. You can apply these same principles. Uh, For me, I had to develop and learn what my values in this area were on my own. And I'll tell you what I learned. What I learned was women are supposed to let men take care of them. And that might be at the expense of him philandering. I learned that sex should be all about him and not about me. I was here for his pleasure and not mine. And I learned that if I made the money, then I could be independent. And my independence could mean that I didn't need to depend on a man. And this may be an unpopular opinion, but I believe that from a cellular level down to the DNA, that men want to and need to provide for their household. I was the breadwinner in many of my relationships, and no matter how good I was with it, meaning I never threw it in anyone's face, I tried to make it as like fair and even as possible. Like There wasn't this thing where it's like you have to have permission to spend money. Like That was never the case. I really tried to like create a way where it didn't feel like there were a lot of parameters in place. But I can tell you that it didn't matter how good I was with it. I could tell that this was emasculating to my partner. And he could tell me that he was fine with it. He was fine with the setup. But I can tell you from his actions and emotions that he definitely was not. And I believe that this was one of those micro resentments that built up over time and turned into a monster in our relationship. One of my girlfriends, she just finalized her divorce and we were both talking about why we think we picked our partners, our last partners. And she mentioned that her fear of not being able to take care of herself, her fear and scarcity around being able to earn a living, or rather not earn a living, was a huge driver for her. So she looked for a man who could take care of her no matter what it cost her. And she just didn't have the confidence in herself to choose someone who would take good care of her and be good to her. She felt like she had to take what she could get. And then I shared how I was the other end of the spectrum, that I needed to be the one who earned so that I could be very independent so as not to have to depend on anyone. And that that distinction that I make now is that I'm proud of myself that I do know how to earn a living. But you know what? I jump for joy at a man who wants to take care of me financially, emotionally, so that I don't have the pressure or burden of needing to be the earner in the family. I recently attracted a man who said to me, if you're with me, you don't have to work again if you don't want to. And if you do want to, I'll support all your goals and dreams and do everything in my power to lift you up. 
he made me feel safe. And that melted me into my full feminine. And look, if you want to be a boss bitch and you don't need a man and so forth and so on, then hey, good for you, darling. You do you. Because only you can make that choice for you. But if I have the choice to be out hunting and killing all day or to be in the prairie picking fresh berries and flowers, you can call me flower child and feed me grapes. Finding a man who shares your definition of what a husband does and believes and leads is going to allow you to figure out if the wife you want to be also fits into that scenario. One of my old partners was really great at cooking and cleaning. And I did appreciate this because those are two things that I don't necessarily want to have to do every day. And I think he thought I would really miss those things about him. But actually, I joyfully pay my housekeeper. And I've come to realize that I love the food that I make. It's a joy for me to cook for myself and nourish my body in a way that feels really good for me. I didn't need a maid. I needed a lover. I needed a confidant. And I needed an aligned partner who was ready to keep exploring and adventuring through this life together with me. And that was just a place where we had an impasse. And it doesn't make him a bad person. It doesn't make him wrong. It just means we were at an impasse. And there's just these things I wish I had known. And I'm grateful that I know them now because it means that I can move forward really powerfully in finding that and attracting that aligned partner. So fourthly, I do wish I had also created good boundaries and standards and stuck to them no matter what. When you hold a standard and let's assume that that standard is excellence, and excellence could be whatever you define it as, you won't settle for less than what you want. I know some people will say, you have to compromise, no one's going to be perfect, or check every single box, and hey, you know what? You're right. You're right. It's rare for someone to check every single box, but if you have a standard, you at least have a baseline that you can always go back to And anyone who wants to be with you is going to know that the bar is raised and that they need to be prepared to meet your standard in order to be in a relationship with you. And if you meet someone who's cute or funny or has potential, but they don't meet the standard, you can also very quickly go, no, thank you. Next. If your standard is that he's kind, courteous, and thoughtful, then hold him to being those things. If he's not, point them out and see if he's willing to shift. If he's not, then darling, don't lower your standard. Call him into his human potential. You should be able to challenge your partner to be better and they should be able to challenge you as well. And as you challenge each other in a healthy way, you can both see growth and you're both doing the work and you're both creating the effort that goes into having extraordinary love. And I don't know about you, but I'm shooting for extraordinary love. If he doesn't bring me peace and make my life better, then why would I waste my time? And love, why would you waste yours? Don't throw your cookies in the street. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, and you get to set the bar on your self-worth, not anyone else. You might be saying, Mary, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too rich, I'm too poor. 
I have kids. I'm divorced. Everything in the book, every piece of baggage that you think you hold, it doesn't matter. Have a standard. Before Angelina Jolie married Brad Pitt, she had two kids and an ex whose blood she used to wear in a vial around her neck. So if your self-confidence isn't there yet, then borrow some mine and just start acting like it is. And you'll be amazed at the doors that can open for you and what you can attract into your life when you're not willing to make those big compromises on what you really want. I would really love to know what you thought about today's episode. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I really want to know what's coming up for you or what's shifted for you after hearing today's content. Share it with me over on Instagram at the Mary D. And tune in next week for a new episode. And until then, may abundance always walk beside you. May joy always go before you. And may love always guide you on your path. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me more at www.maryd.com. You can also catch us on YouTube at The Mary D Show. Head on over to Instagram and Facebook and type in at The Mary D and just look for the little blue check to ensure you're on my official page. 